The Book of Quantism by Darren Cleave Chapter 26, Reprogramming 1. Vesicopesis It was long ago when the elders used the Vesicopesis, the mutual area created by two intersecting circles, to symbolize the connection between the physical and spiritual realms. Their theory of spirituality was surprisingly close to the reality of QI, which was in principle largely the same thing, an ethereal connection between two dimensions. The symbol gave the angels a clear visual representation of that connection, and of what they were hoping to achieve. Identifying the objective was a good first step, but they still had to discover how to get there, and then undertake the challenge of initiating contact with an entity they knew nothing about, and could only assume existed. All in the hope of gaining rewards that were neither clear nor certain. Miraculously, they succeeded. 2. How? The UCC knows that all creatures begin with a basic capacity for QI, and then gradually lose it. Somehow, the seraphim have regained the ability and transitioned to ultra-sentience. The UCC wants to know how. It knows that communication can only take place in the absolute present moment, so it must assume the loss and recovery of QI has something to do with the relationship between the absolute present moment and the minuscule window of sentient consciousness, but how did the seraphim regain the ability? And how involved in that process was the devil? Although its name, the devil, is unique to the seraphim, the persona itself is no different to that of every other sentient species throughout the universe, a one-dimensional representation of an egocentric personality, driven by the primary instincts and focused on survival and procreation, to the point of obsession. The UCC has always assumed the egocentric persona was purposefully blocking QI. The angels thought the devil's incessant chatter simply made it impossible to focus the mind, but new evidence is suggesting neither hypotheses are entirely correct. It has been the egocentric persona blocking QI, but only partially in the way the either party has imagined. In fact, its negative influence has never been malicious or intentional. 3. Astounding Discovery The UCC has made an astounding discovery. Although it had assumed the emergence of a second passive persona was entirely unique to the seraphim, it appears that isn't true, only the way they have dealt with it is different. It seems that all cases of expanding intelligence eventually develop an appreciation of rationality, which plants the seed of a second passive persona. As that second persona develops, it begins to question the devil. Being challenged sends the devil into overdrive. It instinctively turns belligerent and attacks the passive persona with a relentless bombardment of digressive interventions that prevents any hope of it becoming established. There is a twofold effect. Its endless tirade of suspicion, mistrust, scheming and assumption, stops the second persona from flourishing, but the trauma also triggers the onset of socio-insanity and initiates the eventual downfall of the species. 4. Exceptionally determined. The angels have broken the pattern. They have been exceptionally determined. Initially, as with all species, their passive persona, the soul, was purely the creation of a developing personality, meaning the devil had many advantages. That was why so many angels failed. Providing the soul with levels of conscious presence that matched those naturally available to the devil, was simply too demanding for most. Fortunately, enough of them did succeed. They may have been mistaken in assuming they had discovered and released an independent spiritual entity residing within them, but by adopting the soul with a belief so powerful, they inspired the nature of Phi to integrate it into their genetic constitution, as a fundamental and irremovable part of their personality. Now, regardless of its contempt and assumed superiority, the devil holds no more direct power or influence over the angelic personality than the soul. In fact, because the angels are determinedly favoring the soul, the devil's influence is getting progressively weaker. 5. Lost. 
Understanding why the soul has thrived in the angels has been a revelation, but it hasn't explained the reinstatement of QI, so the UCC studies deeper. Memory is critical to sentient life forms. Their span of reality is exceptionally short. Therefore, the ability to fluently recall past events and anticipate those in the future, is essential in maintaining continuity in their perception. It is a wondrous function, but also one that requires the mind to momentarily abandon conscious thought, in order to access memory. That delay is critical. As the egocentric persona grows in complexity, so do its contemplations, which in turn, intensifies its instinctive vigilance. It never stops. It is driven by a relentless compulsion to scrutinize and micromanage every consideration and event. Endless conjecture requires constant memory recollection. Cognitive processes are overworked and stressed, so the autonomous systems kick in. The conscious mind begins to lag fractionally behind the absolute present moment and QI begins to fade, until it is lost completely. The overactive conscious mind drifts towards the fringes of the psychopesis, meaning it regularly loses conscious presence in the form of absent-mindedness. Under such strain, the mind eventually abandons and forgets the QI ability. 6. Reinstated. The tenacity of the angels and the art of meditation has allowed the soul to perform two important functions, most significantly, to suppress the devil, but also to non-intrusively assist in clearing the mind of unnecessary activity, to relax, and to become soulful, empathic and selfless. The practice has allowed the soul to interact with the normally suppressed subconscious and benefit from the wisdom behind the personality. Through prudent use of the cognitive process, the soul can calmly conduct subjective, philosophical and creative consideration, without any interference or distraction. It can observe and monitor sensory activity, review memories, or even just restfully focus on no subject at all, all from an impartial, almost third-party perspective, enhancing and consolidating its wisdom, like placing a new window in a darkened library. That focused and uncluttered receptive awareness has been the key. For the first time, advanced cognitive activity has gently ventured forward in the absolute present moment, and the further it has progressed, the more comprehensively the physical and quantum realms have been able to interact, allowing contact with the UCC to be enabled. Mindfulness is now a skill they practice regularly. They can sense when the devil is regaining any level of control because the process immediately begins to slow and QI to fade. The occurrences are unavoidable, and sometimes necessary when the advice of the devil is needed. Hopefully a balance will eventually be established, but for now vigilance must be maintained, because the devil will never be trustworthy. 7. Paradoxical. In the physical realm, the reality is precisely the opposite. Egocentric thinking is impulsive and instinctive, which may be irrational but happens quickly. Mindful thinking is more reasonable, but the additional consideration causes a delay. Under normal circumstances, both styles have advantages, and work together well, but the transition to ultra-sentience requires high levels of mindfulness to maintain longer periods in the absolute present moment, and that undoubtedly requires a soulful disposition. 8. Proposing change. What the UCC has learned has given it fresh ideas. The relationship between itself and the new Yahweh is different to how it had been with the previous Yahweh. He is a good angel, but he is younger, his mind is just slightly less refined, and slightly more susceptible to the devil's influence, often impulsive and prone to agitation. The bond the UCC shared with the previous Yahweh had been special. Nevertheless, the UCC likes the new Yahweh, and they get on well enough. They are both aware that population numbers are going to be an issue in the course of survival. The majority of them are middle-aged to old, and although there are younger people, including children, only a small number of them are suitable for procreation and of those, even a smaller number have ideally compatible DNA. 
When combined with what are comfortable but unnatural living conditions, the worrisome issues make their long-term chances of survival seem in desperate jeopardy. 9. Positive Aspect There is one positive aspect to the limited population. It is presenting the UCC with a wonderfully unique opportunity. Not only does the UCC have at its disposal the most advanced species it has ever encountered, but it has them contained, and in manageable numbers. Even better, they are in communication and the UCC has their full cooperation. During a private conversation with the Yahweh, the UCC suggests making some subtle changes to their DNA genome, that in consideration of the situation, will prove beneficial. It is an unusual request for the UCC to make. Previously, it has just done whatever it has considered necessary, but now it has a relationship with the angels, it feels obliged to get their permission before making any alteration to their physical constitution or spiritual state. The Yahweh is understandably concerned, so the UCC explains about the deeply ingrained primary instincts. It details the way they have changed within the angels and explains what additional functions it would like to add. Logistically, because there are now less than 200 of them, even though the task of making genetic modifications will still be enormous, it will not be impossible, and there will be no risk of contamination from external DNA. The process will be subtle. As with all organisms, when the seraphim bear offspring, new unique DNA is created by combining the DNA of the parents. That is how it has always been throughout the entire universe. Here, within this isolated population, is an opportunity for the UCC to intervene and fundamentally modify that process. Even in such controlled circumstances, any foundational alterations are sure to attract the attention of the nature of Phi, but if they are done correctly and are clearly beneficial, the nature of Phi will hopefully adopt them as an evolutionary increment, meaning it will take only a couple of generations to fully implement a complete divergence. If it exists at all, the working relationship between the UCC and the nature of Phi is a difficult one, unspoken and unacknowledged. Nevertheless they both play a part. The nature of Phi may ultimately dictate and manage all genetic and evolutionary refinements, but it is largely reactive, and rarely inclined to instigate creative change. It is usually the UCC that conducts creative changes for the nature of Phi to accept, adopt and refine. Steps have already been previously taken to ensure that evolving design and instinctive behavioral data are added to the genome of each new generation, but much of the process is still random, unreliable, and imprecise. It works, but it could be better. The UCC wants to improve the efficiency of inherent data. Not to the point of making offspring into clones of their parents, in fact, just the opposite, it's important that new individuals are exactly that, individual. The UCC just wants to revise the quality, content, and consistency of the genetic information involved. The UCC wants the inherited ancestral information to be more than just practical. It would like to add elements of inherent character, along with some emotional, spiritual, and empathic tendencies. In essence, the UCC wants to refine the process closer to what the angels have always wanted the soul to be, an inherent seed of character that will become more than just a randomly developed persona. A substantial foundation of ancestral knowledge and awareness upon which the soul can be built. It will help families to develop stronger bonds and greater continuity, reducing the currently high probability of offspring being genetically similar, but psychologically antithetical to their parents, a situation that if alleviated, would improve what are already difficult social circumstances. 10. Genetic Modification There is no doubt, the existing primary instincts have been immensely successful in driving the propagation of all organisms, so they must not be damaged or disturbed. Nevertheless, the seraphim have demonstrated how, when advanced organisms reach a certain evolutionary stage, the simplicity of those instincts becomes a restrictive problem. 
The current situation will allow the UCC to upgrade the primary instincts of an entire species, under safe, controlled, and uncontaminated circumstances. The additional content being proposed by the UCC is uncomplicated. Just a few subtle elements of their parents' characteristic, creative and empathic tendencies. It will be a benign intervention. The addition will be relatively simple, but it will be significant. Discussions are undertaken. The UCC assures the angels that the changes will be minuscule and undetectable by the angels themselves. So, on the understanding that the precise details are agreed before proceeding, the Yahweh approves the project. 11. Implementation. The most logical time to intervene, is at the moment of conception. So, one embryo at a time, the UCC begins its program of change, making instructional changes at the very root of the genome, when the embryo is in its most fundamental state. The changes are undetectable from the perspective of the physical realm, but their significance will become apparent as the generations progress. The newly added code will add supplementary data to the DNA, but most significantly, it will add a new element to the primary instincts, remorse. The UCC and the Yahweh had considered pacifism, but the UCC had feared that aversion to hostility might compromise the instinct for survival and dominance. It would be too risky to reduce the readiness to perform a malicious act should the need occur, so, the capacity for bellicosity is being retained, but now, any such act will be followed by the sufferance of guilt and remorse. It is a necessary compromise. Now, the compulsion to consider the emotional consequences of their actions will not be dependent solely on self-discipline, it will be unavoidably instinctive. It will subtly but insistently strengthen their ability to control and moderate the devil's immoral impulses, therefore reduce the potential for doing something unnecessarily impetuous. Outwardly, the refined behavior shouldn't seem any different to how it has been, but internally, passive contemplation will be an inclusive part of the autonomic reaction. Technically, it will cause a fractional delay between the autonomic and conscious reaction, but the benefits will be worth the sacrifice. The revised behavior will also have a spiritual impact. It will cause the committing of immoral acts to create unwelcome karmic disharmony, which, in turn, will unbalance the chakras and disturb the parasympathetic state, noticeably reducing overall contentment and spiritual resonance. Immorality will become naturally repulsive, therefore instinctively avoided. If the UCC's actions go to plan, the nature of phi will detect the benefits of remorse and incorporate the refinements into the evolutionary process. 12. A revised soul. As the new, evolved angels slowly emerge, the UCC can see the nature of phi as embracing the change, and accepting it as a positive improvement, taking the angels fractionally closer to golden ratio of perfection. The project has worked. The angels are happy. Their offspring now have a strong instinct to survive that is balanced by an equally instinctive sense of morality. Maintaining positive behavior had previously required vigilant discipline, but is now occurring naturally. The personality can still be corrupted of course, because the egotistical devil is still there, but the sympathetic soul is inherently stronger. The care and consideration their ancestors strove for generations to develop, is now a fundamental tendency. Additionally, the new inherent characteristics are already ensuring behavioral continuity and improving family unity, with offspring regularly sharing more traits and interests with their parents. The UCC takes great pleasure in conveying to the angels their soul is truly inherent. It is still not eternal, but it has a spiritual connection via QI, so it is a step in the right direction, it provides an incorruptible foundation upon which they can build their own unique personality, and with each generation, the nature of Phi will continue to refine it ever closer to perfection. The angels still consider the UCC to be their god. The reformed soul is indeed a gift, 
but the UCC is not yet accepting the title of God, because it does not yet feel it accurately fulfills the angelic definition. 13. Further Plans The UCC has not yet finished. It has not forgotten the sudden death of its friend. It had been a devastating blow, and ever since, the UCC has been wondering how it might prevent a similar tragedy happening again in the future. The longevity of physical form is obviously finite, but the concept of spirituality has been intriguing the UCC for some time. Rather ironically, it has been while watching the faraway demon youths, indulging in periods of escapism from the madness that is now their reality, that the UCC has formed a very promising idea. End of chapter 26. The Book of Quantism. By Darren Cleave.